You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Who sings Boys and Girls in America? The whole city. Is that, oh, is that who that yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, I mean, I mean, it's the, it's the, yes. Okay, well, hold, well, well, hold steady because we got to start a podcast here. It's uh, the Laugh oh. Button Podcast right here on the Riotcast Network. My name is Mark <laughs> Seaman. He's Matt Kleinschmidt, and he's very excited because and it's just a, when he thought the puns wouldn't get any worse. Oh, they do. I'm they setting the do. bar low. You know what? Here's why we're coming off Thanksgiving break, right? Yes. And you hang out with dad, you get dad jokes and it it, it rubs off on you. And, you know, I hope to be a father someday and I'm just, I'm gearing up. I'm getting ready. So speaking of dad jokes, did you see the, you know, how the president always uh, pardons a turkey on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Obama pardoned the turkey. It's the last turkey pardon that he's doing in office. Right. And he literally just unleashed dad jokes <laughs> yeah he, he said he said sorry sasha and malia it's the last time i get to do this and actually i think sasha and malia were like they like didn't come and he's like i know i embarrassed them now so like he brought like his other nephews or something like that and he literally just launched in a bunch of like turkey pun dad jokes he goes i'm going to continue these when i'm a private citizen do you there's a great video of it yeah so cool. obama pardons a turkey it's funny it's a great idea yeah when trump has to pardon a turkey <laughs> Are we just viewing this differently, or what? Dude, we're 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 in uncharted territory right now. Uh, <laughs> mainly because, I mean, I mean, the big question mark is just you know the guy has. Uh, I don't want to talk politics again on this. Yeah, podcast, yeah I don't but, either. I'm but just, uh, but he'll he'll do whatever other. I just you know what it is. It's just um, I'm wondering what's going to happen to everything. That's that's all. So listen, everything's an unknown until it's a known, and that's we true. don't know until we uh, know. Okay, all right. Well put. <laughs> sure. Well put, Copernicus. <laughs> All right. He's, yeah, that uh, definitely sounded like some sort of philosophy <laughs> bullshit that I have no idea that, uh, about. Yeah. All right. Well, on this episode of the podcast, we're hanging with uh, Stand Up Records founder. Founder, head honcho. Head honcho, CEO. Main dude. Main head dude. He basically employee one of one employee plus yeah. freelancers. I think he's still a one-man band over there. He's, he's yeah, the, I know he has some people that help him, but I don't know if they're like full-timers. Well, he's the guy. The Stand guy. Up Records, and he goes by the name Dan Schlissel. Great dude. And uh, he's going to give us the origin story, the, or, the oral yes. history told orally on an audio <laughs> podcast. Because, you know, people say, hey, the oral history, and then I'm reading it, and I'm yeah. saying, this isn't the oral history. <laughs> like, this is a reading of the oral history. So we're going to give you the actual oral history of stand-up records and this from the guy himself yeah Yeah. stand-up records is a legendary it's a very important record label based in the midwest the minneapolis area and dan goes into all this stuff but uh you know he he discovered lewis black quote-unquote discovered you know lewis black was still a a man in existence right but he put out his first album his first couple albums Mm -hmm. uh you know hannibal burris uh he definitely um compared to other comedy record labels dan's approach to it is way more of a curation criterion collection kind of vibe of comedy so right um, it's not grab anything and go it's no, very it's selective not. it's definitely not and there's definitely a taste there's definitely curation behind it too and he's a very interesting guy uh as we talk on this uh on our interview with him he does a lot of uh 
a lot of, he comes from the, a music background too, right? You know, as as I feel like most a lot of comedy people do at some point they were in music and then they kind of ended over in comedy. I mean, case in point, myself. Uh, I'm know, right did, there with I you. Did music promo for many many years, mm-hmm. and now I do comedy promo. So never did the music promo, just the uh, just actual the playing of the music. Yeah. yeah, but same thing. It's I mean, still entertaining. It's performing. Exactly. It's promoting. It's all that kind of stuff. There's just a little bit different, but yeah, super fascinating dude. Love the dude. We actually brought him on the podcast to talk about because Dan Dan had a, like a really big health scare. Uh, last almost year, died. he almost died. You know, basically, uh, and we didn't even get into that part of it. We could, we were so talking about the back of his, the backstory of stand up records, which I think is a, an important story to be told. Uh, but it's like, oh yeah, by the way, we didn't even get to the part where like you know you basically died for a little bit and then uh, came back. So yeah, he, uh, yeah, really really interesting guy. Glad that we got him on the podcast. It's it's uh, it was a good conversation. Well, Matt, we have some other pretty big, awesome news. Yeah, uh, the Presents, the TLB Presents, the Laugh Button Presents, we're back. We have another one, January <laughs> 16th. We, we were going for like half a week. Yeah, we were gone for about half a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But January 16th, 2017, we'll yeah. be back at Starland Ballroom for the Laugh Button Presents, Stephen Lynch. I'm pretty excited about this one. One of my all-time favorite dudes. Mm-hmm. Love this guy. And uh, super pumped on a personal level to, to be working with him again and uh, to present this show. So He just announced the tour this week. Mm-hmm. First national tour in, what, four years, five years? It's been a while. Uh, and it's funny, I actually went back and revisited some Steve Lynch videos I haven't seen in a while, like, you know, Special Fred and... Sure. Uh, or Special Ed, I'm sorry. Yeah. But they changed it to Fred for his special, uh, which is weird. Uh, Gary... If I were gay, like some of those like Steven Lynch <laughs> classics, right. these videos have, I mean, just like just kind of click clicking around on them, like we're talking like eight nine million views on some of these videos from videos from a special that was released five years ago, six years ago from a Comedy Central presents that's even longer than that. So mm-hmm. he's got fans out there. And uh, my first introduction of Stephen Lynch was through the Opie and Anthony show. I don't know if it was for you, but I feel like that's kind of where he broke out of uh, those disc jockeys in New yep. York who really kind of supported the comedy scene and have comedians on. And Jim Norton was a co-host. And I'm sure many of our listeners know the history of the Opie and Anthony show. But that's where I first heard of Stephen Lynch. I don't know if that's where you first heard. Same place, man. Oh, cool. Same place. Yeah. And you know, me personally, obviously, a huge fan of the the, the musical comedy, yeah. whether it's Weird Al or Stephen Lynch or Tenacious D, anybody that's in that genre. I'm a huge, you know, proprietor of, and and Stephen's one of my all time faves. Yeah. I think what Steve Stephen does better than anybody else that does that kind of thing, mm-hmm. whatever that is, yeah. call it musical comedy, call it whatever you want, is he's the best at the reveal. Like <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. so good at the reveal. And even when the reveal happens in the song and he brings it back for a second chorus or mm-hmm. he puts a nice little twist on it's it. The music is so good and his yeah. voice is so awesome that it, you can listen to it a million times. Yeah. It's, it's not it's like, great. Oh yeah. The Craig Cray song, you know, that was funny. The first time I heard it. it's yeah. like, I could just listen to that song cause it's just great. And I was actually, it was funny cause <laughs> I was, I was just describing Stephen Lynch to one of our interns today and he's a younger guy and he was like, I don't really know Stephen Lynch. And I was trying to explain to him and he goes, Oh, you mean like weird Al? And Weird Al is, a, is great for musical comedy examples, but Weird Al is more known for parody. Right, right. And Stephen Lynch isn't parody. Right. Uh, it's their original songs and that type of stuff. And so while they're the same, they're very different. So I, I'm psyched for Stephen Lynch. I haven't seen Stephen Lynch in years. I think oh, when really? I last saw Stephen Lynch, it was at the old Gotham. 
oh, in New wow. York City. So, so yeah, it has been a while. For so you. that had to have been that was when he put out a record on um, Razor and Tie. I want to say like okay, uh, was that was that Three Balloons? Live at the El Rey. Oh wow, that's the DVD. The DVD. Wow. That's that, yeah. So we're so going it's been back some time for you. A solid ten years. Yeah, yeah. At least minimum. Well, I'll tell you what. Season. Since then, he's released two yeah. incredible albums. Lion. Uh, yeah, Lion, which was uh, mm-hmm. a double disc. Couple one was, years uh, back, yeah. One was an all live performance mm-hmm. of the version of the the studio version of the album. Yeah. Oh, awesome yeah, album, yeah, yeah. man! If you haven't heard Lion yet, I encourage everyone to go out and pick up that album. It's so good. It's probably about three, four years old. And huge shout out to his band. Those guys are all awesome, and and Lady as well. Mm-hmm. The, it, yeah, great album. Uh, and Three Balloons, another yeah. great album too. It, yeah, slight departure for him because he, he it's a full <laughs> band. But it's the music is just so good, it's undeniable. So I remember when he got his Comedy Central presents. So we're going back because it's now called the Half Hour. It's not even the Comedy Central. Right. So Comedy presents, right. Central presents is twenty five years at this point. They've been doing th- this version. Has it been that long? Jesus, something like man. that. It's been a while. Um, and I remember I remember his very distinctly because there was a part where he basically had a bunch of children sitting in front of him, and he was telling like almost like a bedtime story, but it obviously was inappropriate for children to hear. But right. I mean, that had to have been early 2000s, late 90s, something like that when the Presents came out. So, yeah, I mean, Stephen Lynch has been around a long time. Excited to see him back. First tour in four or five years. And we're presenting one of those shows. I mean, it's, that's pretty awesome. So Yeah, it's uh, going to be great. All I'm you have to do that. is uh, go to the, the slash Stephen Lynch. Stephen Lynch. You get all the details, ticket information, all that kind of stuff you need. So. Yeah, we'll have everything there for you. And uh, you're not going to want to miss this show yeah. at, in Sayreville, New Jersey at Starland Get the Ballroom. tickets before they sell it. I'm sure it will. Yeah, we'll the last see. presents we had, Chris D'Elia, the place was packed. So, when and uh, we also, you know, had some limited edition posters and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, probably too, do so. that again. Yeah, we'll we get some tricks. We got some tricks. We got some tricks up a sleeve. So, what else happened this week, Mark? Uh, I'm trying to think what else happened. I mean, really, it was just Thanksgiving, right? I mean, that's... Uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you mean during the work week. I'm still, dude, I'm still hungover from eating food and stuff. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I kind of meant like this week in comedy, not this week in Mark. Oh, uh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah who wants to know about this week in Mark? Nobody. Um, did you, uh, you clearly survived Thanksgiving. Yes. You, you kind of kept it low-key, though. I had one. I had a great Thanksgiving, so it was a good time. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, like, CISO Stand-Up Month is still going on. Yeah. Like Lachlan Peterson, I want to say, put out his, his new special. Right. Uh, we actually had a preview on that of that on the laughbun.com you can definitely check that you out you can check yeah. out the promos of Emma Stone for Saturday Night Live yeah, this weekend mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Laugh Fest is right around the corner man This yeah, the, the calendar year just like zooms by because they're yeah. like we always talk about there's a festival every single weekend somewhere in the country yeah and uh, sure enough, Laugh Fest will be here before we know it. it happens yeah. in March up in Michigan, and uh, they're accepting their submissions now. So all comedians listening to the pod, yeah, uh, make sure you go to laughbutton.com, check it out, find out how you can submit and be a part of it. It's seventh year already for Gilda's Laugh that, Fest. That kind it's of nuts. blows my mind because because uh, you know you remember hearing about when it was starting in seven years, but I mean it's crazy because Riot LA. Okay, so let's start with big festivals for comedy. Mm-hmm. Top of the year January, Riot LA. That's in its fourth or fifth year, which I remember like going to that thing in its second year, like, oh my gosh, and it's grown so much. Uh, it's a sketch fest, you know, starts around that same time. So mm-hmm. that goes like January, uh, mid January to February. And then you go into March, which is South by Southwest and Gildas. And then you go into April, which is the Moon Tower. And there's something else in, in April that I'm totally spacing on right now. I can't believe that I'm spacing on it. And then you go into May, we have Limestone Festival in June. You got, uh, then you go into Just for Last. And then next thing you know, it's. 
it's the Crapshoot Comedy Festival actually in, in May is happening and then you have Just for Laughs and then you have the High Plains Comedy Festival and then you have it just kind of starts it's just, this well I'll stop you there because you're almost all the way through yeah, the year I'm, I'm through that's like August already so right. Brooklyn Comedy Festival's in August right. so yeah it's kind of nuts that's well, just comedy festivals and that's just comedy festivals that are big on our radar not on our radar but big like you know just kind of of note so yeah it's pretty crazy and then Red Clay comes and mm-hmm. the Cleveland one and the Accidental Comedy Festival in Cleveland uh, yeah it's crazy alright a lot of great trailers for a lot of upcoming movies uh, Goon 2 Last <laughs> of the Enforcers uh, super stoked for this one the first Goon was crazy and it's also it was awesome it, it was one of those like I don't want to say sleeper hit because I don't know if it was really counted as a hit nah, but, like, but it's a cult film. everyone like a cult, that yeah. saw it was like this is the best yeah, it's so, so it, well the was, second one's going to be even better just watch the trailer on the yeah. site and, uh, and you'll agree uh, we have some additional clips from the upcoming Office Christmas Party movie which you and I are going to a screening of next week yeah too, can't wait for that mm-hmm. also why him we're going to be hitting that screening as yeah, well the, so we'll uh, be Brian doing Cranston some... James Franco film yeah it looks very funny and Zoe Deutsch who's a part of that and uh, and finally you, you know in bittersweet news it's the fifth anniversary of oh, yeah. you know Patrice O'Neill's death this this week and by the way so <laughs> You know, Mike. Which, which, but oh, I heard you mention Mike. I know. Yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. I was just gonna say that this day, uh, the twenty eighth, right mm-hmm. of of yes, that's, that's November. You have Patrice's death. You have uh, Stefano's. Mike day, the birthday of Mike DiStefano. Yeah. DiStefano, right? Uh, do you know who else's birthday it is? No. On that day, Gary Shandling. No way! I didn't know and, that. And either. he obviously just passed away too. Oh, I didn't know that. So then I started like doing. Research. I'm like, what's up with this day? I didn't know that. And I went back and I started looking at celebrity birthdays of people that are in the comedy field or, mm. or or have died that day. And like the list started growing. It was like Anna Ferris is on here. I just, oh, wow. So I'm looking through and I'm like, there, there's a whole, there's like 10. That's a crazy day, huh? 10 people involved with this day, whether whether it's a death day or a, or a or birthday. Or a birthday. Well, that's, yeah, so fascinating. Yeah, so Patrice died on, you know, the, a weird way to frame it. Patrice died on Mike DiStefano's 45th birthday. Right. Today, Mike D, on that day, Mike DiStefano would have been 50. Yeah, he would have been 50 too. and. So, so yeah, so well, uh, it it sparked a memory in my brain. Yes. You, know, you know, everyone always seems to do these things on fives and tens and twenty five yeah, 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 and fifty yeah. or whatever. And uh, you know, we always love to give a shout out to the Patrice Benefit. Again, you can go to laughbutton.com yeah. to get tickets to the Patrice Benefit. The fifth annual. One. Yeah, it's already it, obviously it's the fifth one, yeah. and and the lineup is great. Bill Burr and so too many people to list. But um, it made me think back to like when when did I discover Patrice? Right. So the tough crowd. Like I wasn't in New York yet, so yeah. I had seen him on tough crowd with Colin Quinn which was always great and Shorty's watching Shorty's he was he was doing all this great stuff but when I finally moved to New York City um, it, it, I, I would go to the show that Moonwork put on mm-hmm. and Moonwork is a theater company that focuses on Shakespeare like it's 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 kind of weird and someone's telling me I'm you know this company that does Shakespeare also does comedy stuff I'm like what are you talking about just come to the show with me it's gonna be great it was five bucks it was in this weird gymnasium at a, at a school yeah. and but everybody that would be on these lineups it was top to bottom like the best comedian like Jim Gaffigan mm-hmm. then Michael Showalter then Dimitri Martin then Patrice O'Neill would come on then Tom Shalhoub and mm-hmm. then they'd have a musician it'd be like Langhorne Slim would come on and mm-hmm. then perform and you, just, and you know thinking back then I'm like oh this is just whatever you yeah. know, five years ten years fifteen years go by and you're like these are the greatest comedy shows yeah, yeah, I could yeah. have ever seen for five dollars all you could drink of course, like, of course it was nuts so it made me think about Patrice and, and the first time I ever did get to him experience him live was at one of these shows and so basically I wrote a, a feature uh, about the Patrice O'Neill experience and what it was like to 
see him for that first time live in person all the way up until sharing the airwaves with him, mm-hmm. you know, at, at Sirius XM. And it, I don't know, man, it was just, it's, it's a wild ride and it's just, yeah. I got really sad, but at the same time I was happy because I was fortunate enough to work with the guy, let alone be a fan of the guy, let alone see the guy perform, you exactly, know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and so anyway, go to lapbutton.com and check it out. If you're a Patrice fan, you'll appreciate it. it. It's and, a, it's a really weird thing because that last year, his body of work was just incredible. Yeah. That's, that, that was your Elephant in the Room came out. And we actually did a great interview with him about Elephant in the Room. And he was like, and we were like, why now? And he was like, you know what? Comedy Central finally like agreed to my terms. So it was like, right. it was one of the things And Patrice was notorious for just kind of like talking shit about a network, talking shit about this. And he had a lot of opportunities presented to him that just kind of disappeared because he wanted to do it on his own way. And it's like the industry seemed like it was finally kind of bending back towards the Patrice and you know and then the stroke I remember I remember listening to Opie and Anthony that morning where Bobby Kelly Rich Voss Colin Quinn a bunch of his new uh, I, I want to say DePaulo was there too mm-hmm. a bunch of his like New York friends went on the show and they're like hey you know Patrice had a stroke and you know I think his stroke was like probably like October so about three months three weeks before he died and I just remember listening to that and be like oh that man that's incredibly sad you know hear that and then the Charlie Sheen roast was right then and there and he was right. about to release his first album Mr. P uh, and it's like it's it's crazy like how all that body of work happened and like and it was all just like finally Patrice was like quote unquote breaking to the mainstream and uh, then it was gone it was just like wow it's so weird you know oh, so man yeah even just thinking about it now man it sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sucks I mean and and you know one last thing I'll add to this is mm-hmm. I was listening I actually went and listened to and I, I was actually listening to it right before this meeting I mean this uh, podcast taping is uh, the roast of Patrice O'Neill that's online and it's it's literally it's like it's Geraldo, it's Todd Barry, it's Colin Quinn, it's Ro- it's Rich Voss, it's Robert Kelly, it's Ben, ben Bailey. Bailey. Yep. And like and that's the one where Ben Bailey infamously murdered everyone and then destroyed Keith Robinson and Keith Robinson went up right afterward and just like had no record. Like had nothing. (laughs) Um, But like I was thinking like wow that's like that's a really interesting you know snapshot of time. I want to say that thing happened 10 years ago maybe even maybe a little shorter than that but uh, like it was just interesting listening to the whole thing and uh, I I, got to dive deeper into it but it's definitely something that's online you can find it and if you haven't heard the roast of Patricia it's just a bunch of comedians literally sitting in the Broadway Comedy Club ripping each other apart. Ripping each other apart like well unbelievable sp- well speaking speaking of ripping each other apart we're gonna do that when we hang out <laughs> yeah. with dan schlissel right now on the live Bud podcast i don't know how that translates to- it doesn't okay. i don't know what i'm doing here. all right all right here's dan everyone enjoy this guy um is important to the to the world of comedy has his own uh, record label and signed some people at a very young age and and brought some comedians into the forefront before they blew up and pe- became household names absolutely and uh and is, is somebody i worked with uh, when i was on air at sirius xm he'd feed me your your albums and i put them on the air and and everybody won and it was a very cool thing so it was wonderful so uh stand up records mr dan schlissel how you doing sir good doing to see well. you good to see you too mark <laughs> yes it's been a long time i mean i saw you at south by it was brief very brief. But uh, actually functioning, talking to each other, and spending time in a room. Yeah. It's been years, man. So it's been it's ridiculous good, yeah. amount of time. <laughs> Unnecessarily too long. Well, well, we'll try and remedy that moving forward. Yes, yes. I'll see you tomorrow. Yes. I don't know how long you're in town for, but we'll see if we could get a hitting streak. We're going, going to the awesome. same places you're going for the rest of oh, the weekend. God. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna have a very boring time at some of these things. <laughs> oh, well, one thing Matt and I before before uh, we all met up here was we, we were talking about stand up records and the the significance of it and 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 it's how a great it's story. I want to know how stand up started. You told me this is story off air. Oh, this off is... pod. Quote unquote. Yeah, I want to yeah, know because like, it's a really interesting story. Yeah, let's do a brief oral. Yeah, 
brief history, history of stand-up. Okay, records. let me see if I can try and condense this. Um, so, in brief, I uh, am the son of immigrants. Um, <laughs> you start way back. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so uh, in the beginning there was nothing. <laughs> there was a there was a bang. <laughs> so where'd your parents meet? Uh, and I, that I I'm not going to get into that. My parents are immigrants. Um, as immigrants, they think a little bit differently than, you know, folks that have been born here generation after generation, including speaking a different language at home. Right. Um, they immigrated from Israel. My mom was a fan of comedy to begin with and music and insisted on having a stereo when she was pregnant with me. So I got to hear all these great records, both music and comedy. And the first comedy I heard was this Israeli sketch comedy group in Hebrew. And I loved it so much my mom would play those bits for me over and over That's again. Awesome. So that was like my earliest memories of comedy. My second earliest memories of comedy were... Uh, my aunt lived in the Bronx. We lived in New Jersey when I was a kid. And we would come in pretty much every weekend. My parents would go out in the evening and she would babysit me, in essence. And my parents always said, making sure he goes to bed by seven. The next day at breakfast, I'd be reciting lines from Carson's monologue or, <laughs> you know, for, uh, Belushi or Aykroyd from SNL. And, and that's, that was the second big influence. Jump to right before junior high started we moved from living in the pocono mountains which we'd moved to at that time we moved from the pocono mountains to the middle of nebraska uh three days before seventh grade started which was horrific uh we went from being three hours from manhattan to being three hours outside of omaha oh and also being the only jewish family really Mm -hmm. and uh that was culture shock on a level that i can't even begin to put through to you properly yeah because seventh grade like you have memories and thoughts that you're, you're pretty old you're, you're a teenager at that time basically. yeah you're yeah. you're just starting being yeah, a teenager yeah. at that time and it was terrible but your you're, formative years your formative years so you kind of you know you get into fights two three four times a week for being the only jewish kid mm. so you need something to turn to and comedy was one of those things so you know my folks had a good cable package we had hbo and showtime and i got to see everything you know uh shimmel and all the rodney dangerfield specials and i mean everything everything carlin you know everything that was on those channels and it got really really absorbed into my system and at the same time i got really into music uh, really into basically metal and hip hop in the middle of Nebraska. Moved to this the, is pre pre three eleven, right? Breaking out three eleven. <laughs> there's two guys I like in that band because that's metal and rap. So no. yeah, but there's, there's better there's better bands you can. Well, but but he I, lived three hours outside of Omaha where they're from. That's why I'm bringing it up. Yeah, I, was, I, I am I am from that same time period as them. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say that I will say that there were many much better bands. Mm-hmm in nebraska that i appreciated more uh for all the people who love 311 go love 311 they're not for me mm-hmm. i would have rather heard 13 nightmares or sideshow or such sweet thunder or ritual device nice. i mean like these bands that were earth shaking and if they would have been able to get beyond nebraska it would have been really really different for mm-hmm. music mm-hmm. but anyway be that as it may moved to college learned moved to lincoln to go to college at the university of nebraska mm-hmm. learned about local bands which i didn't i didn't realize bands could be from anywhere besides like london nashville new york <laughs> la right okay you know so it was a revelation to me uh just hearing like a rap group talking about homelessness in lincoln nebraska it floored me and it just turned me on to all these other indie rock bands from the area and you couple that with being on the university program council and booking small concerts not the major names but the the smaller names all of a sudden i know bands and i know 
a place to book them. Then I get hired to work at a record store as a manager and I'm dealing with all the distributors. And I realized, you know, Nirvana is just breaking right then, 91. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy hell, you could be anywhere and do this. I know bands, I know a distributor, I have a credit card. <laughs> I could do this. So it's a triple threat. Yeah. It's a triple threat right it, there. It was a quadruple threat because that first CD I put out sold ridiculously well. It was paid off in six months. Oh, that's great. Wow. And I Good thought, for you. wow, I could really do this. And then I had 70 plus more releases that only three of them besides that were okay successfully. <laughs> you know? So... That was well, my. Well, those bands thank you for that opportunity. So. Well, you know, and some <laughs> Any of them, bands worth the, note. The sixty-seven. Um, there are some bands worth note. Mm-hmm. I uh, the biggest band and the one that I only had a little to do with, but I had something to do with was Slipknot. Okay. Oh, wow. I helped okay, discover yeah. them. I'm one of five people that helped discover them. I'm not one the, for each member of the band. Uh, no, no, that would have <laughs> been like nine. nine yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I helped distribute their album that was out before Corey Taylor was in the band. Oh, okay. Right. I, I, like I'm the one who got it in the Best Buy system so it could start to sell. Oh, that's great. So. You know, it was good being part of that, but, you know, part of being an indie rock label is every deal was a handshake, no contract. So as soon as they signed, I just had to take it like a man. Okay. And I did. <laughs> the, ma- the, yeah. ma- the mask came well, off. The, well, the look on your face is like, yeah. trust me. <laughs> yeah. I could be retired. Honestly. Yeah, I'm sure Oh, totally. See, so... That the the whole Slipknot thing hits home with me because there was this band called Mushroom Head from, oh, I know from exactly Cleveland, that. right? Yeah, yeah. And so and they'd been around forever too, and it's very similar. Who were the to oh, believe me, I, heard, I heard about all the battles early yeah. on between the fans. Oh yeah, it was crazy, man. And I, I I just I wasn't a huge fan of of Mushroom Head, and they were great, and I, I'd played shows with them and stuff, and and they were always great to us and everything. But but it, you know, I was like, oh, they're doing their thing. You know, I'm in a completely different kind of band, but. But when that sort of st- that that see- that uh, story you know started mixing, I was like, "This is interesting." Like it, to step back and look to see, because what a distinct presentation, right? Yeah, well, Cleveland, and, and, Cleveland, that's where they're from. Yeah, yeah. and Des Moines are like a world apart. There's no way either that's what one I'm saying. Influence the other, yeah. and you're There's just like, no "What way. do you do?" Like, and, and this uh, was and this was pre yeah, internet, social media, all yeah, that yeah, exactly, stuff. So exactly. you're just you're just kind of there, there's pockets of scenes. You know, you have your DC, your Southern California, you know, Seattle. They all sound completely different. Well, it just and really the only way they know is they're touring. You know, right? And it but really just goes to show to that area yeah, at exactly. that point. I know that for fact. It must have been impossible to put nine people on the road back then it, it was hard for a long time yeah, yeah. it was a, r- a really difficult thing nine people and their gear yeah, yeah. that's that's a lot of people yeah, i mean yeah. i don't i don't want to talk well, about slipknot and, well, and anyway, Mushroom, but that it was, was just fascinating band. and it, it lets you know too how truly original you you have to be to you know what I mean? because people have the same ideas as you they do they could be just a smidge different well, it's the thing and that it, informs all of these he stole this joke argument yeah. to me i think right. about that mushroom head slipknot thing a lot and i'm that's I don't know how another group could have sprung up like ICP. You know what I'm saying? But if it happened and they're across the country from each other, it happens. And it can happen. And it can, right, right. So that's the proof of it that I always think of when when those things come up in comedy. Mm -hmm. Um, Other bands. um, I actually put out a single for a band called Polecat. The singer of Polecat is now the second guitar player and singer in Cursive. Mm. And... uh, that single that I put out gave Saddle Creek Records its name because one of the songs was Saddle Creek. Oh, that's cool. So like that, I always came like about awesome. a, an inch yeah, away, yeah. but just never managed to get a the, degree or two from that stardom. The ball never crossed the goal line. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So basically, you know, after 70, a little over 70 records, and I didn't foot the bill on all of them. It became sort of a collective as well. Right. Um, 
after 70 plus records, I was massively in debt. Money wasn't coming in enough to pay bands. Bands were being weird because they think that you're selling everything and not paying them anything. Right, right. I had one band that said, we want to be away from you. We don't, you've been stealing from us this whole time. So I went to their house and dropped off, I think minus two copies I kept for myself. I dropped off the exact number of CDs they gave me minus two. Oh, wow. With a note saying, "Here's all the stuff I stole from you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was very, and I just left it on their front step in the middle of the night, and just, I, just I felt so there. good about that. Yeah, you know, just being divorced from them was nice. So anyway, 1998 rolls along, still living in Lincoln, Nebraska, out of college, um, cannot maintain a day job that pays a decent salary at all, and I'm either walking out of jobs or getting one man layoffs and the reason I was getting one man layoffs is I would intimidate the guy who hired me mm-hmm. so that he'd think I'd shoot up the place you're an intimidating dude like yeah you're, like, I'm a big that. guy and you're bigger than me as far as height and yeah. size like you know I could see how you could intimidate someone like Mark size yeah, yeah. You, you guys you <laughs> guys haven't noticed Mark. but I've gone I've gone back a few <laughs> well, feet since I mean, this interview uh, began imagine uh, the guy comes up to me and this is a guy they hired to for the job they promised me yeah right okay right. they just hired their buddy and put him in what are you doing this weekend I'm going to the gun range you can never be accurate enough <laughs> you know just stuff like that that would be my answer every weekend not not the gun range only but it would be stuff like that yeah so he literally pulls me into an office one day and he's holding a piece of paper and he's trying to read from it but it, the piece of paper is rattling in his hands <laughs> like he's just so nervous and i'm like good i got to him so instead of getting fired there was a one-man round of layoffs and i got severance and so i took that i took that and went to the unemployment office and they said how much are you making this year and i was like twenty thousand dollars okay what job what what amount will you not take a job under i said thirty five thousand dollars they said how do you intend to do that i said i intend to leave this godforsaken state (laughs) and then a couple months later i was living in minneapolis wow why minneapolis uh because we went there get this we went there for a Bauhaus reunion it was the closest Bauhaus was passing to uh lincoln and i'm not a goth fan but i love them okay Mm -hmm. so my wife and I, my fiance and I, we went up there. Her best friend from high school lived there. So we stayed with them. I went to the concert and then I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. My wife liked it a lot. So I got an early edition newspaper on the way out of town. And it turned out the company that made the Toast audio or CD, soft, CD burning software, they, uh, they were hiring and they had an office in the Toast. air. Oh. And I knew that software inside and out from mm-hmm. my previous jobs. And also, they had another dumb name jam for music software mm-hmm. that was audio CD mastering. And I knew that stuff because of my label. Yeah. So, I mean, I just happened to be tailor-made for this job. Oh, wow. Sent in a resume. I mean, we were in we were in Minneapolis. The first time I was ever there was for August of 1998. And I lived there by Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it was a real quick turn, and yeah, I got yeah. the hell out. Now, realize my music label is crumbling in on itself. The bands are breaking up. There's all these accusations. I owe people money. Uh, the big acts are leaving and not really throwing a rope ladder down for you. Um, so I was kind of bummed out. We cut back to comedy, and I was a fan of Louis Black's. He'd, he hadn't been on the... He'd been on he the wasn't Daily Louis Black. He wasn't yeah, Louis yeah, Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew him from Tompkins Square Park. Okay. There was mm-hmm. an episode that Dana Gould hosted that he was on. And I saw it, and he became like Ron Livingston, the actor from Office mm-hmm. Space. It wasn't Ron Livingston. It was that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy is on The Daily Show now. And my wife and I would talk, and I'm like, God, I'd love to cross paths with him. If I could ever meet him, I would try and do a record with him. I just think he's great. Mm-hmm. And this is before he became the political guy, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. I really right. kind of, I like the pre-political stuff way more than I do the political stuff with him. Um, so I moved to Minneapolis. Three months later, I'm driving home 
listening to the radio from work and this week only at Acme Comedy Company, Lewis Black. And I was like, oh shit. There you go. So I ran to my apartment. Um, I think I, I left my car running. <laughs> I ran up to the apartment, called the club, wrote down the uh, driving directions to get there because I was so new to town I didn't know where anything was. And uh, I, I grabbed a stack of CDs and a notepad, drove to the club, wrote out a note on a notepad, tore it out, went into the club, hand, got my ticket, handed it all to the usher, and then sat and watched the show. And I figured it was like going to be like a big rock club where after the show, the star leaves through a back door you never see. Right, yeah. right. Well, Acme is currently situated in such a way that you walk out of the showroom past a bar that has a big glass wall. So it's like, you know, a terrarium. And there's Lewis Black standing in the middle of the bar looking at all the people leaving the show. And I'm like, this is it. Yeah. So I walked right up to him and I said, I'm sorry to bother you. My name's Dan. I'm a fan of yours. I've been since Tompkins Square Park. I have a record label. I deal with a lot of bands. I left some CDs and a note with an usher for you. Did you get it? And he said no. And then I just pitched him. And so he's we're right into it. Yeah. Just right into it. Because I figured this is my chance. Right. It might never come again. Um, he was he was really positive. It was it was crazy that he took this, you know, nobody from the Midwest that didn't re stack a half ass CDs and he took it seriously. And uh, he, you know, Warner Brothers had passed on him and Comedy Central in 1999 did not have a record label. Yeah. Yep. Right. They didn't start a record label until 2002. Yeah. 2001, mm -hmm. 2002. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I had the jump on it. So I, I landed Lewis Black's White Album. So great. And, I, you know, I, I had it recorded in Madison, Wisconsin. And then his, his managers at the time managed Doug Stanhope. So then I have Doug Stanhope. Then Doug's publicist was Jimmy Schubert's publicist. Mm -hmm. So then I have four comedy records on this music label that are all starting to, like, move. Yeah. And then I said, you know, this is 2000. And by 2002, I was like, why am I still keeping this dead weight music record label that nobody gives a shit about with a stupid name so i decided to rebrand called shepherd ferry who i was friends with mm -hmm. pitched doing a logo and he agreed to do it because oh, cool. he's cool. he's he's an angel um and it all became stand-up records and and just haven't really looked back since that's so awesome it's pretty crazy, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, obviously there's a lot of other questions I have uh, getting to that point, but, uh, but it's as simple as that. You took the initiative, you went for it, you said fuck it, and that's how that's how anybody gets anywhere, right? Yeah, you just I say, mean, what do you got to lose? Well, honestly, you know? if somebody says no when you ask them a question, it's the same thing as if you didn't ask. Mm -hmm. So instead of not asking, ask. Right. Let them say no. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. There's nothing. And even wrong. assume they're gonna say no, but just yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, for me, that's what worked. I mean, now in comedy, it's probably a little harder than it was, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. But uh, at the time, it just seemed like such a. It, 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 I thought that record, the White Album, was gonna be a one-off lark, mm -hmm. and I'd go back to music. Yeah, you did a handful with Lewis. Correct? I did. I did two rec two full lengths and an EP. Okay, because you did mm -hmm. Rules of Enragement. Um, I did Vinyl of Rules, and Vinyl here's what happened. Okay. So I did the first two CDs and an EP, mm -hmm. and then he went to Comedy Central, but he brought me along as his producer. Gotcha. Right. So then I produced four albums at Comedy Central. Okay, gotcha. And then at that point, you know creative differences yeah, sure. yeah it happens and that yeah. happened with uh with the hannibal burris record too right like you had it and then they yeah you had Han you found had, you found a lot of guys which yeah. i think is incredible yeah i you know 
Found might be a, diff- a weird word to say. Found is not yeah. 100% right because these guys are already touring and being comics. No, but you but, took the initiative to put, you know, get this onto a record and let's... let's I, I can establish yeah. folks as a recording artist. There you that, go. There you go. There right. yeah. that, that part I can do. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I, mean, I first heard about Hannibal Burris from My Name is Hannibal, which is you. Yeah. So, like, you know, there's, and, and there's people that, you know, know less about comedy than me, that's, that, that's their jumping point is Hannibal Burris. So right. There, there's a lot of that. So I think you need to kind of give yourself a little bit more credit for yeah, that. Yeah, it's hard for me. Yeah. You know, I, the word producer is thrown around a lot in entertainment, but mm. it's hard when you're a behind the scenes guy yeah. to want to take credit because you're not the. You're not the original artist. The original artist is the person whose name appears on the record. Yeah. It's very Steve Albini of you. But it's the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not Steve. I'm, I, I'm not saying you are, but it, that, he has this, he's he, a very similar method where he doesn't call himself a producer. Well, he doesn't, no, he doesn't I, take points on a record. He's like, you hire me like you would hire a plumber to fix the job. Right, the plumber right, right. doesn't come by in 10 years and say, oh, your plumbing still works. I, I still owe royalties on that. Well, here's like the that, thing. Yeah. I would totally take points on a job. <laughs> okay. So. Um, Steve, uh, I only know him very barely. He's always been incredibly awesome to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dudes like him and like Rick Rubin, yeah. a, a Tom. Hazelmeyer, Jonathan Poneman. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are my heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? You like Fridman at all? You like Dave Fridman? Yeah, I think he's hilarious. Well, he did, did a lot of uh, he, he did a lot of Flaming Lips records, right? For, just, yeah, yeah, he did all the he, did, he uses the whole studio as a as an instrument. Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. Uh, he like Thursday when they're more creative later records. He, ta- he yeah, he did a real Thursday. cool Phantom Planet record too. Oh, I didn't was, know uh, about that. Yeah, he did. Uh, right after he did the first one after Schwartzman left the band. Because the band uh. now is obviously was gonna have a new sound. They got a new drummer now, and and he was like, "All right, we're gonna make our mark, and here's how we're gonna make the band completely different." And just you know, I, that the, album the, sounded incredible. The right? reason I say he's hilarious is I can only imagine how he gets some of the sounds that he gets. Oh yeah, I mean, like it sounds like it sounds like sometimes he's like, "Hey, why don't we set this on fire and record this while yeah. you're playing something exactly. on fire?" It's like, "Oh, okay, good. okay." Uh, he's just <laughs> he's just so damn talented. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are people that I, Steve Albini I've met. A couple times I've talked to him on the phone because I bought. I'm I'm one of the only people that's ever bought a master tape from Touch and Go Records, <laughs> and it, it was in his possession. Yeah, 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 so like he was very nice and accommodating. Like to a guy who didn't. I've been very lucky in the 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 people who I admire have treated me very very well, and I'm surprised at it because I don't really feel like I've had the laurels that they have. Mm-hmm. Now that's I mean, in certain circles you absolutely do to the comedy community. It's like this well, is the guy that did this. It's, well, I, and people I get, say the same thing about Albini. That's the guy that produced that record. That's a guy. You know, it's it's weird. It's, it's just. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm trying to be modest, and it, I'm not trying to be modest. I am modest, but at the yeah. same time, this is going to sound ridiculous. <laughs> I have a goddamn Grammy sitting in my living yeah, room. Yeah, of course. That is the most idiotic thing <laughs> it makes no goddamn sense to me does it make up for all those uh, missed out baseball trophies that, uh... Uh, it, it would if it was if, if it was for a record that was actually on my label and not something I produced somewhere else all right, right. it's still a Grammy dude I mean, it's ridiculous I don't have a Grammy I know it's idiotic they spell I... your name right on the Grammy yeah they did okay yeah, they totally at least did. they got that right yeah, Um, yeah. I have a buddy who was in the band 13 Nightmares and the band Mercy Rule mm-hmm. and after I won the Grammy, he kept on sending me emails going, Kiss doesn't have a Grammy. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just kept on saying, and it was just like all these emails of every Facts band. Of and it Dan was like, Reno doesn't have a Super Bowl. Kiss doesn't have a Grammy. Well, yeah, and the other thing was he really wanted me to bring it back to Nebraska just so he could see it. 
That's so funny. He was, he was, this is one of my music. This is set the, up in your local mall. You can have people come and take photos. This, this with was it. the guy who had the biggest influence on me right, for right. doing what I do now, as far as local dudes. Sure. And for him to be proud of me felt like the most ridiculous turn of events. Mm -hmm. I should have been congratulating him on his Grammy. You know, I'm just some idiot that lucked into asking the, <laughs> it's fucking weird. Hey, well, this is where you are, and there's no take backs. You can't. No, no, I'm glad you about can't it. unwin the Grammy. So uh, and I deal with it. <laughs> and I don't plan on it, but yeah. uh, it's just weird. It's, it's surreal. The whole thing is surreal. This whole mm. entertainment thing is just crazy. So, do you find? Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there's like you know the babies where you're like, oh my god, I'm so I can't believe that I got to do this record or work with this artist. I'm sure there's some that weigh heavier in your brain as you catalog them than others. Oddly enough, I. I'm proud of a lot, almost all the records I'm very proud of still. But like my favorite ones are ones that most folks don't know about, don't mm. care about. And it doesn't matter to me because I think they're the funniest goddamn records. I mean, it pisses me off that Dan Natterman is not a bigger name in this mm -hmm. country. Yeah, I mean, that guy's, I mean, we're above the comedy seller. He works here. He's like one of the workhorses of the comedy seller. And, so. and he is one of the funniest dudes I've ever run into. Yeah. And his record, it doesn't move as much as I'd like it to. Yeah. By a long shot. Um, that's not the only one. John Bowman, who opens up for Lewis Black. Mm -hmm. I think he's the funniest person I've ever met, both on and off stage. Wow. wow. And nice. Strong words. I mean, he yeah. is... Well, he's your jam, man. That's he, your guy. He's a beast. Yeah. I haven't spoken to him in quite some time, but he, he, I think he's... I, I can't think more highly of a comic than I think of him. I put him up there. He's one of the greats with Dana Gould and, mm -hmm. you know, Greg Proops. And, I mean, everyone that... you. So how many how many releases are we talking that you're at this, these days? I, mean, I would think I, are you in the triple release? digits at this one, point? Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. One sixty three okay. and one sixty four oh, okay. at the pressing plant. There you go. That's nice. Yeah. There's only one catalog number that hasn't come out because we can't legally issue it. Oh really? Yeah. What's can you talk about? It? Um, can you? I, I can talk <laughs> Wait, about it's it. A number issue. It's not an artist issue. It's, it's a, a, well, no, no. It's a recording issue. Interesting. Um, I have a, a dear friend, Scotty Crane. Uh, who had a sketch comedy radio show with Jonathan Evison, who was known as Little Johnny Seattle. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, this sketch comedy radio show in Seattle called Shaken Not Stirred. And all the bits, because it's radio and radio is paying the royalties, there was music beds underneath. Uh. And I mean, they're huge music beds like Zeppelin, sure. Kiss, Skinner, uh, Sinatra. I mean, you name it. And it's all on there. So... We were trying to get bands like Mud Honey and the Melvins to re-record these tracks. Right. So at least we can pay a lower rate yeah, in royalties. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the bands agreed and then never really went to the studio. Oh. So I could never issue the thing. Yeah. On top of it, it's got a, it, I don't want to go into it too much, but it's got a controversial title that would not fly nowadays. Right, right. I'll tell you off the air. I, I was going to say, even better reason to put it out. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't legally. And then yeah, the cover yeah. art was like, we were going to retake photos, but they proposed an Annie Leibovitz photo to me that we had to, we had to reshoot it. So like the only art that I have is this like bad mock-up of an Annie Leibovitz photo. So there's no way I can do anything with yeah. it. Can someone do a sketch version of the photo? And, uh, you know, <laughs> that could be <laughs> Whatever done, that interpretation but it still is wouldn't it? free up the music clearance. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's know? crazy. That's, that's crazy. what happened to the state, you know, on MTV. They had all the, you finally get every episode of the state, but there's all the music's changed. And that was clearly a part of the sketches and right. just as valuable right. as the actual yeah. sketches and I mean, acting. When, and you, you hear stories about that all the time when DVDs first came out. Cause, cause right. shows were only licensed for air. And it's like, well, what do we do? What here? do we do? 
on a DVD, mm. who owns what. I think I want to say it was like the Wonder Years, which is a series. WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's series that are like just music is like the extra cast member in these shows, sure. and then like the, and like these music cues are just all completely different because they well, got different director music Robert Whitey. Yeah. The guy, he Love was, that he, dude, man. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm Fucking, and a ton of other stuff. Yeah, he's he has, he awesome. has these great documentary films about Lenny Bruce and mm-hmm. Mort Saul, and you can't get them yeah. on DVD at all because, can't do anything music, with them. because of the music. It's all, you know, it's aggravating. I, I, yeah, it's got to be. If yeah. I hit the Powerball, I would, I would try and clear those things just so I could do it. <laughs> Even if it didn't make money, just because I want to have a copy in my library. Just so... So it could be out there. Yeah, because I don't know. I live in Minnesota. There's no Paley Center for me to go to to see stuff. <laughs> you could take a replacement's walking tour, I'm sure. I, but I, I don't give a shit. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I do like the replacements, but I don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't it. move to Minneapolis because of the replacements. I moved to Minneapolis because I amphetamine reptile records. There you go. I wanted to see the cows as often as yeah. I could. Okay. There hey, well, speaking of, of Minnesota and Minneapolis, I mean, a lot of great comedy going on there, man. And, it's been uh, a hotbed for a long time. Yeah, so so talk about that because I, I feel like, you know, comedians might cut their teeth somewhere else, like a, a, a Minneapolis, and then you wind up in L.A., New York, or whatever, Chicago, and and it's almost forgotten about. You know, like like if I say Maria Bamford, if I say Dick Swartzen, if I say Mitch Hedberg, you know, these are all people from absolutely said area. They're huge names. And you're forgetting the, the current currently resurging Louis Anderson, uh, right? Yeah. Louis Anderson. So so it's unfortunate that towns like this get get lost in the sauce a bit because you know you just get overshadowed by the bigger cities in the country and and we, we and do, you say but, oh, but oh all, we discovered so and so when they got to LA and had a TV show it's like well dude hold well, on a second you, yeah. you're also hearing my modesty when I'm talking about my achievements it's the same thing with mm-hmm. everybody there like nobody wants to brag I'm, you know okay yeah I'm a comic I I do okay mm-hmm. no one wants to say yeah Minneapolis come come mess with it that that is part of it though too it's like the reason that there's a Denver scene right now that's kind of popping off is because people are like I'm proud to be from Denver I'm going to stay in Denver longer than I should and do things from Denver right and why is Denver any bigger than Minneapolis it's not it is. Are, but the people that are coming from it are less modest I think is what they're right, trying right. to point out like, and, like and, you and know guys no, from Boston because they're like I'm from fucking Boston yeah and that's no slight yeah. on but, Denver but, but or Boston but that's a competitive thing because it's the you know it's, yeah. it's the Philly New York Boston it, they're all close yeah, and they're trying to corridor. be New York that, right? that's true and I mean you know I'm really proud and happy for the dudes in the Grolics and all the other Denver comics they deserve it they work Sure, hard. TJ Miller, Josh Blue, the Grolics dudes. I mean, there's piles and piles of comedians coming out. Yeah, of yeah. So I mean, there, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with them bragging about what they rightly earned. I just think, in Minnesota, you're dealing with a lot of like Scandinavian background, a lot of Lutheran background. And if if you're familiar with any of Garrison Keillor's work, you'll know that mm-hmm. these are people who sit back and think and don't brag a lot. Right, right. And I, I think that stereotype is pretty true. I want to ring a bell or something. Right? Yeah, exactly. I want to <laughs> ring a bell or something because I think that's the first official reference to Garrison Keillor we've had on this. It, one hundred percent. I threw one right. <laughs> I threw one right back yeah. to him. I uh, the, I used to listen to him every day, every uh, weekend. My he's, dad. He's not hosting Prairie Home Companion. And, and, uh, it's ending. I thought. Yeah, he's ending it or yeah. something, or someone else is picking up and hosting. And what I, was I didn't on know right was after him? Something like that. Yeah. Marty Feldman. Marty Feldman. Marty Feldman. Marty. Marty. Marty Feldman. I think it was Marty Feldman. Yeah, yeah. My dad loved that show so much. Uh, we had family in Chicago. What do you know, right? Yeah. What do you know? Yeah. And and uh, you know we were just outside of Cleveland. We had family in Chicago, and that took place in Wisconsin. Right. Yeah, Wisconsin. And he, we would 
drive like he wanted to go he drove to the show to go see it live we'd make the stop in chicago drop me off he'd go do his jam thing there and then come back pick me up and go and we'd go all the way back to ohio that's funny like that's how much he loved that pocket of what was happening that's amazing fucking dedication you know i've never once gone to a prairie home companion live taping and i'm kind of kicking myself about it now yeah i keep thinking of that portlandia sketch where they're tailgating outside that is the funniest oh Oh, and i want (laughs) to now that you've brought up portlandia i want to say Fred Armisen, funny, funny guy. Yeah. Go trench buy mouth. Trench Mouth albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trench Mouth versus the Light of the Sun. And if yeah. you don't like that, you don't like music. I want to say he was the drummer in Trench Mouth. He was the yeah, drummer. Yeah, yeah. drummer. Yeah, and that's actually how he first got camera time. He, he down south, yeah, right? at south, south by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. they crazy. asked him to do interviews. Guys, know, we know way too much inside shit about. Well, this is our job. This is what we do. You know what? When I ran into Fred at South by Southwest, I actually stopped him backstage and told him how much I was proud of him and what he did now. But you fucking love Trench Mouth. But I love Trench And I mean, I was like, you know, I saw you guys play three times in Lincoln, Nebraska. He goes, oh yeah, the first time we, and I cut him off and told the rest of the story. And he just looked at me like, how the hell did you know that? I'm like, I'm telling you I was there. I go, and now that I've made it weird, go have a good rest of the night. I'm going to fuck off. <laughs> I, I love those stories where it's like it's like it's a venue that holds a hundred people, right. but like four hundred people tell you the story yeah, about how they, they were, were all there. there. They were all <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. Until there. you start laying down facts, it's like I was there, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Well, I mean, it was very it was very easy to remember seeing Trenchmouth the first time because they were on stage while the Rodney King riots were happening. Oh, wow. like as very LA was burning, yeah, as yeah. LA was yeah. Going to- so it was very easy to remember. Another fun fact about Fred Armisen too is he went to school with Jim Brewer. Uh, oh, I didn't know they that. did not know each other when they went to school and then they both wound up on Saturday Night Live different times so yeah. pretty crazy Fred grew right? up here in New York yeah he went to school with Jim Brewer at the same time I think high school together for a crazy. year or two I yeah. had no idea I just yeah. assumed he was raised I didn't in know that until the, uh, I think Brewer when he was still in the air at, at Sirius XM yeah, yeah. Had, had Fred on and they revealed that they were like dude we went to school at the same time like someone had a that yearbook and they were just psychotic. like didn't even know They're, each other it's, it's weird I mean yeah. like, well what's other school in this area that like within a 10 year span like Eddie Murphy Howard Stern I want to say was a public enemy and they all like went to school at the same high school yeah like somewhere in upstate, so, Roosevelt yeah, so, yeah, yeah Roosevelt yeah, yeah yeah they were all in the same school it's like oh geez I didn't know it? I didn't realize that I, yeah, yeah. I never put that together with the, with the public enemy stuff yeah yeah, yeah it was, so it was crazy. public enemy Eddie Murphy Howard Stern I want to well, say yeah, 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 Eddie Murphy for sure yeah yeah, yeah totally so that's craziness. crazy yeah, no, so one, no one famous went to my high school so the girl, no who was on the, girl who was on the cover of Maxim Magazine once I went I went to high school in the ass end of the United States I went you know do you know Chris Zilka the actor he was uh, he's on uh, the leftovers and he played uh uh oh my god uh, F- flash in spider-man the the original one the sam raimi ones okay and he was like he was like the oh i know who you're talking about he was the, he was the oldest son in the leftovers yes. yeah yeah he uh he went to school he's in my sister's class like yeah. that dude's kind of blown up he's getting pretty he was on like oc or 902 or one of those big one of those shows. i can't uh, think of anyone famous yeah. there's another pro- behind the scenes dude in la who's an animator at disney that okay. i went to high school with but Th- that's great yeah we had a lot of athletes come out of my area so, too a lot of football players oh, oh yeah, yeah i got a guy yeah. who played won the super bowl for the colts yeah dude that's pretty big i mean that's pretty so like back to back to stand up records because i think it's so fascinating is like how do you how do you envision the label like you had mentioned to me once off of uh off pod off podcast like, you kind <laughs> Everything's of think you're with you jesus as, as like kind of like a criterion collection for comedy like, yeah, you know, yeah it's yeah, more of a curation yeah, yeah yeah so like i mean like how do how do you find what works for because not everyone is a criterion collection 
type of comic. God, I'm going to so, sound like the biggest asshole. Man. No, not at all. Well, why? Um, why? Why? You, you know, when you're a behind the scenes guy, the only impact you can have is by what you bring to the the public. Yeah. Right. So that means that means essentially that you're a curator. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that is the most douchey term to use. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay? But, but music labels do it all the time. Like you know what you're getting from Sub Pop. You know what you're getting yeah, from Saddle and, Creek. And this, you know and, what you're yeah. getting from like. And this is we're going to go right to that exactly. Okay. When I started my music labels, Nirvana had just broken, right? So grunge became a thing, mm -hmm. took over the world, right? So I realized after my label failed a couple years later that some pop had bands playing one style of music until they broke. Discord in DC mm -hmm. had one style of music. Stax, Atlantic, mm -hmm. Touch and Go, Amrap, all these labels that I respected focused on one style. My music label had singer-songwriters and hip-hop dudes and um, Slipknot mm -hmm. and, and, and like, just, you know, folky stuff. And it just did not have a focus. And it suffered as a result. I, I thought I was bringing all this great talent and it yeah. didn't matter what the focus was. So long as you knew that uh, there was uh, quality there. But it, mm -hmm. it turns out that having a specific sound makes a difference. Yeah. Now, comedy is beautiful in the regard that you go to a record store what do you have in the music section? You have country, right? Then you have rock. Then you have pop. Then you have metal. Then you have indie rock. Then you have R&B. I mean, so there's a million different categories. And then you can sub-break down every one of those categories. Right. In comedy, the three of us and maybe some of the people listening into yeah. the podcast can tell you what the different branches of comedy are. Absolutely. But at a record store, it's, it's all comedy. comedy. It's, comedy. Yeah. it's comedy. So it doesn't matter if you're dealing with Larry the Cable Guy or right. Richard Pryor mm -hmm. or... Uh, uh, Stephen Lynch or mm -hmm. Weird Al or yeah, I was know. gonna say it's it's all comedy and then where what do we do with Weird Al and Stephen Lynch their music but we don't know uh, just yeah. they comedy. just get filed <laughs> yeah, in exactly. alphabetically yeah. but that's exactly. the beautiful thing about comedy is the genre is not so subdivided that you can't make an impact True. so all of a sudden I have a, a wide field that allows me a lot of different taste but it's a narrow field in the fact that it all gets lumped together anyway right, gotcha. right. so it allows you to find these so it allowed super me to have alt guys super but it, it allowed yeah. me to do the curatorial like going to different diverse points but it also allowed it to have a focus because it was all under the umbrella of one easily defined genre gotcha so that is really what made what I did was I told you I was in debt and there were 70 releases. Yeah, I was going to college and I had help from my folks to go to college. But my real college education came from me spending that credit card. Got right. that business degree from that credit card. I got the business degree <laughs> and how. And it's and funny. You learn distribution and you learn, you know, you learn how to put this all together. And, yes. the, and the best part about it is my dad didn't want me to go for a business degree because he thought that they were useless. Really? Yeah, he was like, you get, so, you take something that will guarantee you a living. So like after. a science or an engineering. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I did. So I you couldn't do a liberal arts thing. No, either. not yeah. at all. Yeah, 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 of course. So it turns out in the end, I don't use the physics degree at all, and I run a business. It's weird how that happens. I mean, I, I found that physics degree or Grammy. <laughs> well, I've also found that, like, I mean, just really not myself. Funny story on that really, too. Myself personally, like, I have a liberal arts degree, but like, I feel like the, the the day to day of my job in and out, I can cite, I can draw back almost exclusively to like three classes I've taken. You know, where it's like, oh, and they were like web development classes or whatever it is. Right. So it's, it's very weird how that. But I, works but I don't even have that. I never learned proper audio engineering. I yeah, learned yeah. it from going and hanging out at a studio while bands were setting up. Well, that's how most people do know that. There are like those people that do the professional version of that. Right, but, but I'm. You know, not one of those 
guys, I couldn't go into a studio. If you had me go into a studio to set up to record like the Foo Fighters, yeah. it wouldn't be a great sounding recording. I'd have some idea of yeah, what yeah. I was doing, right. but it wouldn't be what they get from Butch Vig or whoever they mm -hmm. use. Mm -hmm. the, you know, I know enough to do what I do yeah. very well, but to do what the job actually requires on a broader level, no. Gotcha. Well, to me, you can almost equate the same idea to like the military. Some people go for the captain's classes through like West Point, and then some people just get drafted and work their way up too. Yeah. Like there's the streets version versus like the polished formal education version. Right. And I and I think and, that's a very good analogy. Yeah. yeah. I You're learned radio just team. by doing radio. That's how I learned it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't. I never. I didn't get a degree. The only degree I have is whatever my body temperature is. That's I, it. I have a I have a <laughs> bachelor of science with a with a minor in in a bachelor of science in physics with a minor in math. And I use none of that shit. Yeah, it's so funny. And the funniest, <laughs> the funniest part is, um, the the chairman emeritus of the physics department reached out to me a couple of years ago, and, and he wanted to give me a tour of the new facility. I assume <laughs> that they think I'm, you know. You own a record label, you're Clive Davis or something? Something. I assume, I assume that's what the case was. But I talked to him on the phone for a while, and he just said, we all want you to know how proud we are of you. And even though we've had other people have good success in this field, you've had the most colorful career of all of your classmates. Oh, that's that's got to be nice to hear. And, and it was, it was, it was cool. crazy to hear, because I remember him chewing my ass out <laughs> for skipping a class on my birthday to go to Des Moines, Iowa to watch Mud Honey play. Right. <laughs> I remember him specifically chewing no me out. Vision, no vision, man. Class or touch me, I'm sick. I don't know what to do, man. Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, he didn't realize what kind of path he was actually setting me on. Hilarious. That's well, well, let's bring everybody up to speed because um, unfortunately we have to wrap it up here a little oh, bit. Crap. But uh, we could do this all day. Yeah, Talk we, about music. We'll, we'll definitely do a part day. two of this. But, <laughs> okay. but. Um, uh, so, so where are we at today? Like, what what is your goal? Has that changed at all? You know, like, where's your mindset with comedy? Because things are different now. We're in a streaming world. You know, it's just everything has been turned on its side. And and you know, how are you approaching things with with what you do as far as stand up you know, records? I think I'm gonna ride comedy to a flaming miserable death. <laughs> um, it's a good way to go out, man. Uh, yeah, why not? I, I kind of want to die the same way Ahmed Erdogan did in my 80s backstage at a Rolling Stones concert. <laughs> Um, it's going to be a Rolling Stones cover band, unfortunately. No, no, but we'll, no, 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 no. It'll be like a Lucy K. Oh, okay. I got <laughs> no, no, they're chemically preserved. They'll be playing when I'm in my 80s. It's fine. Yeah, they're, they've been laminated. Um, I, you know, comedy is a field that, that has unending challenges. What I don't like is I'm a record guy and records are going away, clearly. Right. Yeah. That really bums me out. I'm waiting to see how the industry changes. Because streaming, the way it's going now is not sustainable. Not at all. So... Somebody's going to come along and figure it out and make a model that works. I know Apple Apple saved the industry when it was in free fall from file sharing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm just hoping that Steve Jobs is dead now, but I'm hoping someone is a visionary enough to figure out well, Here's how we do streaming successfully. I was so going to say, they're putting a lot of money into streaming right now with Apple Radio. They're trying to get rid of selling MP3s to the stores. It, like, it, gone almost. I if know. If not already. No, it's not gone yet. But almost. It is aggravating as fuck yeah. to be a person that produces media watch dollars being turned into dimes and and nobody seems to give a shit or understand that media won't keep coming if it can't be paid i was yet. gonna say and on top of that they're like but we'll give us more media 
Yeah, <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. we we need content. You need to keep it's feeding like, the well, beast, but you're kind of like devaluing it. You're devaluing takes time it. and effort and money and creativity. There's a lot of things. Well, I mean, like there's some you people pay that a writer to write. You fucking pay me to write a song. It's no different. There's that, some people that fight against it, you know, but for, uh, to diminishing returns, like even like your Taylor Swifts of the world, they fight. Yeah, streaming but she's as making a million dollars a but day. She, it doesn't she matter. Can, she can fight it. You yeah, know, yeah, I mean, but you need those people to fight it for you, though. Yeah, you need to because no one gives a shit when you say it. Yeah, yeah. But if Taylor Swift says it, somebody cares. At least then you can hop on the that bandwagon mm -hmm. and it's literally the bandwagon at this point yeah um the other thing is you know we're doing more video production mm -hmm. we started our own roku channel so you can go to the roku device and in the in the channel store look up comedy stand-up channel um working on monetizing that properly now okay you know advertising based yeah. sure which is streaming also which is also terrible but i i would it's a it's a start the roku channel will hopefully ex eventually expand into being cross-platform mm -hmm. um we're looking at developing a, a podcast network for the comics that are on the label you know this is a very successful podcast network here we don't want to compete with this but we want to be able to be an ancillary thing sure mm -hmm. um I don't necessarily feel like I need to dominate any one of these spaces. I just need to do well and have that consistency across the different formats of delivery. Well, one feeds the other, you know? Yeah, exactly. So. And I, and I, and I, I mean, I've seen it cause we're talking about other successful comedians. You know, I helped Mark Marin. I did his first, well, I did it. I reissued his first record and then did two more records yeah. besides it. And I watched his podcast go crazy sure, so that yeah. he's the number one King of the Hill. And, we don't need to be him. We just need to follow that path a little. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. Have you mm -hmm. seen any sort of uh, resurgence from the vinyl? Because like, everyone talked about how vinyl's going to save it. Vinyl is the biggest... Uh, okay. As, as, as someone that runs a label, I'm, I'm curious to hear your actual I, I love vinyl for, yeah. for a couple of reasons. Um, this whole bubble that we're dealing with yeah. is kind of bullshit. Okay. Um, yes, vinyl's selling a lot. Comedy compared to music is a very small part of the recording industry. Okay, yeah. Um, so let's say you could sell 500,000 records of a band. If you translated that to comedy, you'd probably be selling about 5,000 copies. Okay. Um, maybe. Of, of vinyl. Of vinyl. Uh, no, no, no. Just of vinyl. Oh, just saying in general. Okay. Now, yeah. vinyl sales are climbing, but vinyl sales were a fraction of CD sales of when I started doing it. So, for instance, Lewis Black, we sold tens and tens and tens of thousands of CDs and that, uh, of the White Album. And I pitched to him after the point that we'd sold like 10,000 of them. I said, you know, let's make 500, well, a little under 500 copies of uh, the White Album on vinyl. He goes, do you think it'll sell? I go, 500 copies, if we round up, is 5% of 10,000. Mm -hmm. I think we can sell 5% of 10,000. And we did. You know, and there's several artists where I've done yeah, really yeah, well. Yeah, of course. But for the most part, vinyl is a hard sell. And, it's expensive. Uh, it's expensive to make. It's yeah. hard to ship without damaging or warping or right. breaking. It's it's a very, very tough sale. And the, the per unit cost on it is, you know, multiple times what a CD is. And yeah. you're waiting to get it made. I mean, you now have to, especially. You, yeah, what is it, like a six-month wait now? Yeah, like because of all the hype bullshit, there's yeah, a six-month wait. Yeah, and only, there's only so many people out there that press vinyl these yeah. days, too. Well, and the other thing is, and, and this is something I'm still researching, I don't have exact numbers on it or anything, but uh, when, you, when you sell to a distributor, when you sell CDs to a distributor, they're allowed to return product forever. Mm -hmm. When you sell vinyl, there's no returns. Oh, really? Now... I don't really believe that Hot Topic is selling as much vinyl as they're ordering, mm -hmm. which means that somewhere there is a distribution center 
filled with unsold vinyl or some boxes in the East River. I don't think I don't think they're in the East River yet. I think people are holding on now to see what's going on. Or or they're my new tree plant fucking pot. You know, like they're just taking. But, but it, nobody's it doing cutout records now. Yeah. yeah, you don't see cutouts of new releases. Yeah, and I know that shit isn't selling everywhere. I know it because you can look at you can look at SoundScan numbers. Yeah, of course. So. Of course. If you know what the pressing numbers are, you can figure out what's missing and, and not. Mm. There's, I, I mean, like, I, I, I have an affinity towards vinyl just because there's that old, like, you're like, oh, my God, it took, you know, it took that, that old Steve Martin record. Well, I have an argument. It's just fun. You know, just you know, put on the record, yeah. play 30 minutes and flip it over and you're. That, you know, is, that is not. A, that you're is, having a grand old time. What you're saying is not disagreeing with what yeah, I'm saying. I know. I, know. Um, what I, I, th I think you're 100% correct. Here's the deal. I think streaming and digital only albums are the most cynical form of marketing or uh, of trying to make money off your artists. I think they're cynical because you're not putting anything into it. You're just doing a little bit of work and you're just seeing what the market right. decides. Mm -hmm. There's no risk. There's no... It's bullshit, basically. If you do that, you don't care about your artists. If you make CDs, at least you're making something that they can sell live. Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. That they can take like Wu-Tang Clan it's out of physical. the trunk of their car. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay? If you make vinyl, it proves that you are the most committed person to your artist because you are putting in the expense, the difficulty, the storage, the shipping, and none of it is easy, none of it is cheap, and they're, you're pressing records that cost you seven, eight dollars a piece to make. Mm -hmm. They have to retail for twenty dollars, which means you can only mark it up two dollars mm -hmm. to wholesale it. Mm -hmm. So any store that sells it for twenty bucks is making more money on it than you are making it. Wow. By by five times as much. It's crazy. And that is the the real truth of vinyl and why it's unsustainable. You couple that with the no returns and this big stockpile that's building up that's gonna flood the market one of these days. And when it does that is the end of labels doing vinyl. Hmm. So uh, get it while you can, kids. <laughs> Look, well, I, think, just, I think it's, it's the great. business of record labels, well, yeah. which, which is always, I mean, that's the business we work in where I'm fascinated by it. So yeah. it's, it's good to get people's perspective about it. Cause yeah, well, that's, 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 that, that's my quick analysis of the thing. I, I mean, think, I've been bearing it out. It's a fantastic of... analysis. You've been in business for 20 years at this point. Yeah. So like, you know, I think you have a grasp on how the business works at this point. And, and, I, and I love doing vinyl and I'll yeah. do it whenever I think I can. Um, it's sort of tough because you have to press at least 500 copies of a record. Mm -hmm. You can go lower quantity, but then the price skyrockets. Yeah, I've done time. a couple that are 100 run, That's, and those things cost $16 a piece I, to make. I looked up 100 run for my band just to, because we, our EP, we just wanted to put something out there. Uh, we didn't bother pressing CDs. It was just cool. Let's get this up on you know all the yep. streaming services. And I was like, you know what, man? This is fucking bullshit. Like, this deserves to be... You know, mounted somewhere. You know, I'm very proud of this thing. And I was like, yeah, I'll just make a hundred of them. We'll sell it shows. Maybe you're the lucky one who bought one when we were nobodies, and it's fun and it's cool for our parents to have one. And yeah, for 100 pieces of vinyl, it was like not. It was just not even worth asking well, you, the question. You know, 100 pieces <laughs> on top of, of the vinyl, wait time, on top of the price, on top of everything. It was like, if they cost you $16 a piece. Yeah. Okay, for a hundred of them, that's $1,600, which is more almost double the cost of doing a thousand CDs. Realistically, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so and and at least CDs have a little bit more versatility to it, right? Although, like, although it you seems can you play like in your car, or you can digitize but, it, or but, you can have vinyl. It's like a pain in the ass to do that. But now cars are not coming with CD players right, in yeah. them. Right. They're Computers not putting, aren't coming with CD players or DVD yeah, drives. Yeah. It's a fucking nightmare. Yeah, it sucks. It's it's really like the whole industry just teamed up to figure out how to shaft consumers as hard as possible. I don't even think it's the industry. I think it's. 
and, and this may sound weird, but I think it's companies like Apple just being like, that's how we got rid of Flash. They were like, fuck it, we're not supporting Flash. It's HTML5 from now on, and in less than a year, Flash has gone off of web development. Right. And they're doing the same thing. It's like, we want to make this unit smaller, faster, lighter, quicker, easier for John Q, average guy, to understand. And, and we're the not hell put, with everything that you bought. And we're not putting past. any of this peripheral stuff in there. We'll <laughs> yeah. sell it to you as an add-on. Yeah. But like, who's going to actually buy that add-on? But, but the I add-on did. takes up desk space and it's not incorporated. You know? yeah. But it's, it's, it's nuts. And right. I think it is the, the, the computer companies. It's tech pushing things forward, unfortunately. And the funny thing is, we didn't talk about a single thing I thought we were going to talk about. What do you think we were going to talk about? I thought we were going to talk about me dying. Well, I mean, we can. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that's part dude, two. Dan, okay, part I don't, two. There is your cliff. Dies. There is your cliffhanger. I was gonna say, uh, wait for season two, everybody. Wait for season two. Let's hope <laughs> yeah, we get yeah, renewed. Yeah, yeah. Part two. Uh, yeah, I, I'm dies. sorry. I just have to get out of here. I gotta be somewhere. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, we've also been doing this for an hour, dude. We've been. Yeah, it goes know, quick. Crazy, I mean, I know, the three it of us sucks. get together. It goes quick. Yeah. But, but uh, we'll go out on this. If you could reissue any comedy album from all time. Uh, if you could just get the rights to it and say, like, I'm going to put out the, the Dan Schlissel spin on it, like, what, what album would you want to get your hands on? And, As and if I'm going to tell my competitors what to go after. <laughs> really? No way. <laughs> All right. I reissued it. The Joan Rivers' second album that there came out for go. Record Store Day last yeah. year. Yeah, there you go. That was a that was a dream and a nightmare at the same time. But it happened. You and it was also right around the time she died. Oh, yeah. dude, yeah. that's why it was a nightmare. Yeah. I yeah. I was talking to her when the filming of a piece of work was going Fantastic on. Fantastic documentary. I was talking mm-hmm. to Billy, her manager. Okay. And if you watch the documentary, he gets fired. Yes. Yeah. So I lost all contact with her. Oh wow. And then I finally started to just about reestablish it, right? And I'm talking to Sony to get the rights for. For, for the second album and Sony's being really weird about it so we, I just kind of leave it nebulous and then she dies and then Sony calls me and says so do you want the rights or not and I go fuck this isn't the way I want yes yeah, yeah. I want the rights right because it looks so, you look like you're like capitalizing on the, the I, event, it, yeah. I wanted to use it as an entry point I had a whole series of American recording style things I was going to pitch to her. It's how like Johnny Cash came back into the dude. The I mean, yeah. I had I had All the whole Rick concept Rubin for things, an yeah. album called Joan, and I had another one for called Joan Goes Home, oh, and I was wow. going to pitch them to her. I mean, I wanted Ugh, to record damn. one of them here in the village. Ugh. I the whole I had photo shoots figured out for what I wanted to pitch to her down at like the bitter end where like Lenny Bruce gave the her bitter that end is, is what I wanted to where, do. Like Lenny Bruce gave her that note that said they're wrong, you're right, yeah, and I like wanted inspired. to use that yeah. on the cover. Oh, art. God damn it. Like Why'd in, she have to go? <laughs> losing her was the... I, I just thought for sure, here's a person that we could totally... Your next five years of releases that are just... Yeah. And I could I can say this is a person who... I mean, she was already doing it on her own. Yeah, of course. Right, right. But it, it took me five oh, years of pursuing. Un- that's unfortunate. And I just... It, just watching her die while I was on a, a family vacation... Sucks. Just, it, it, it was terrible. Man, I feel for you, and I, I have no personal stake in it other than I wanted to see. I would want to like listen to those albums. I, I just think she oh. had so you, you much. Met her? Still. You met her? I met her. Yeah, yeah. I, I met, met her, her one I, time. I was able to interview her she one was, time. She was. I didn't get to interview her. Best. I got to talk to her a bit. It was a backstage thing, you know. And yeah. she was just the sweetest person. Yeah, she and I have great. a very blurry Polaroid of the two of us. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't even know if I, I got a picture. I, I think I respected oh, it too much. I was like, oh, I don't know. No, I mean, I yeah. I was I I took 
the old records, the three records, and the life and times of Heidi Abramowitz to have her sign them. I was, it was, I didn't know if I was going to have another chance. Or sure, not. Yeah. sure. That's the thing with these legends. All Wasn't right, guys. The well, the, yeah, the, yeah. No, we'll no. Talk, I, we'll I, I really have. To, yeah, 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 I gotta get out of here. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Go, so go, go, sorry, go. but uh, yeah, we'll we'll do this part two, man. We'll make it yeah, happen. Yeah. All right, Dan. Good to see Perfect. you, dude. Good to see you Dan. too. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Hey everyone, that was Dan Schlissel. Join us on the podcast. Want to thank him again. And uh, yeah, he came by. We wanted to talk to him about almost dying, and yeah. uh, we didn't even get to that. So no, we, we, we're gonna have him back. We gotta have him back on to talk because it's an incredible story. Yeah, and it's pretty nuts, and we're just glad he's alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, super Trying stoked to, to be record, able to call yeah. him a, a friend. And Definitely. and yeah, he has a rich history in the comedy scene and the music scene and everything. And mm-hmm. And uh, it's always a good hang. So, Matt, that's going to do it for this uh, this episode of the podcast. We want to thank everyone for listening. You can download us, rate us, subscribe us. Uh, you know, tell your friends about us. That's important. Tell at, your friends. Yeah, at the laugh button. You can follow us on all the socials. You can hit us up personally at Mark says hi or at I am Kleinschmidt. And uh, look, it's almost the end of the year, man. We're going to have another year-end breakdown with the... Uh, yeah, roundtable with a couple people. And, yep. dude, it's almost our 100th episode. Almost our 100th episode. We're and, encroaching, uh, dr- increasingly... Do we want to say who's on it? Do we not wanna, yet. Yeah, not okay. yet. Right. It's a little... It's not a secret. We kind of know, but I want to yeah. tease it. We, right. we, have a, we have something planned for our 100th episode, which will basically fall on our uh, on close to our two-year anniversary, too. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Episode yeah, 100. And we want to thank everyone who's... I missed a week uh, since we started. It's crazy. Yeah, and we want to thank everyone who's been a part of, you know, part of it, the the entire way and and thank you for the support and all the shout outs and the emails you can email us podcast at the laugh button.com the laugh for all the latest and in reviews interviews stories news and all the in-betweens nooks and crannies